Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome, whenever, wherever you are listening to us. Thank you very much for joining me, Edith Bowman, for another episode of my podcast, Soundtracking. It is wonderful to have you along and thank you for all the birthday messages and all the wonderful just messages from you all after our fifth anniversary episode last week with Ben Wheatley and Andy Stark talking about their new film In the Earth, which is out on home ends. Scored by the fabulous Clint Mansell. Um, yeah, it was really lovely. Really appreciate all your messages. It's um, I don't know. I'm, I I do these interviews and I love doing them because I'm so interested in the world of film and music. And for me, once I've done the interviews, they kind of don't belong to me anymore. And so it's lovely to hear that you all get something and something different from every conversation and sometimes how it encourages you to go back. Someone messaged me to say that they hadn't heard the previous Ben interviews so they went back and listened to uh, last week's and then the previous four. So yeah, thank you so much. We have got a great um, search um, engine up on the website which is edithbowman.com where where you can search for director or film. It's a really easy way to find Find out if there's any conversation within any episodes that is something that interests you. So head to edithbowman.com where you can find all of our episodes and a great search engine to search through our 250 plus episodes. So, yeah, thank you very much. I um, also wanted just to draw your attention to a, a little film that's out in cinemas called Zola. I was standing in for Sam Mayo last week on Entertainment and talked about the film in great length. And I just wanted to encourage as many of you as possible to go and see it. It's in a fascinating story, which um, the story comes from a real tweet thread um, about this character, Zola, who gets taken on a weekend with this girl that she's just met. And it's bonkers and brilliant and out there. And I loved it. It was so great. And it also features Cousin Greg from Succession. So what's not to love about that as well? Um, so yeah, go and check out Zola if you can. Um, it is very, very good indeed. But our latest guest on Soundtracking this week is an artist whose name is featured many times on Soundtracking, such as his stock in the world of film composition. Tyler Bates is a name you might know. He's a former lead guitarist for Marlon Manson, but has, since the early noughties, really focused the majority of his attention on movie scoring, working on projects like... John Wick, Guardians of the Galaxy, which we've both talked about at length on this podcast, and Watchmen. His latest offering is Dark Knights, Death Metal, a companion piece to the hugely successful series of comics and graphic novels by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And we'll begin with a track from the album called Anti-Life by Tyler, Health and Chino Moreno. great to get you on the podcast because we've we've talked about you and your music quite a lot and I was listening back to wow it's a few years ago now when I spoke to James Gunn about the last Guardians of the Galaxy film and uh, we we were enthusing about your extraordinary work on that film and, and James was regaling you know his experience of of meeting you for the first time and and working with you and and how important your your work was with the success of those Guardians of the Galaxy films um, so it was really lovely to to go back to those and also um, Keanu and Chad as well I had on talking about the John Wick films and so you've appeared kind of not in person but through your your work on the show so it's absolutely brilliant to to have you on so thank you so much for being here. Sure thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Do you mind if we go back and 
talk about before we talk about some of your specific work talk about for you if there were any specific films growing up where you really particularly connected with the music in them and you really felt and appreciated the power of the music and the purpose of the music in those films there's there's no doubt that uh movies like psycho jaws halloween uh, the motifs in the scores were, of those films were so minimalist in general as far as what was the musical hook that, that really brought another dimension uh, to those films. definitely something I was attracted to early on uh, I would say Close Encounters was a great one for me too you know it just you know the film and, and part of the score but I never really looked at scores as, an, as a separate element from a movie yeah. I, of course I understood it as music you know this is not a career that I aspired to uh, from a young age <laughs> so I'm grateful for for the experiences I've had and the opportunities I have. But uh, my approach has really been about uh, storytelling through my life yeah. experience and, and collaborations. And obviously I've made music my entire life and uh, never did choose it as a, a career. It always just was what I was doing. So. Do you um, feel like it almost chose you in a way? Uh, in the worst of times, like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Can't yeah, I James, just, James, James, I'm... James almost apologized actually in our chat about how how much he kind of you know pushes, but I guess pushes everybody he works with. But he felt like particularly he really pushed you with those Guardians films in terms of you know just to to the extremes. I guess that those films allowed allowed you all to kind of go really because they were such fantastic things to watch and experience. Yeah, no, I'm very proud of the work uh, that I did on those movies, and uh, that was cool. And there's every every film is uh, a unique uh, learning experience, and always uh, uh, another bridge to your next um, opportunity or experience in life. So, yeah, I'm grateful for all of it. Where does it start for you with a project? Is every project different? Do you get brought in early? Do was or what's your kind of your preferred kind of journey? I guess with a film. You know, it really depends on the type of film, but yes, usually directors uh, that I work with would like me on board as early as possible. And I'm happy to do that if the circumstances allow for it, you know. We have to work, so <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we're not entirely available uh, in five minutes notice. But um, I love doing that, especially like with the John Wick movies. It's fun to really be involved early and have the opportunity to write songs, uh, you know, to create uh, on-camera music moments. And obviously like working with Chad is, is awesome. I mean, he's uh, coming from the stunt world. He's a very team oriented leader and he's, he's a very good leader, but at the same time, I think he empowers those around him to uh, explore their talent and experiment and, and really see what, uh, what you can come up with, what kind of uh, inventions you can bring to the table. And I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's really what, uh, what has made our relationship strong over the years is that, you know, I respond very well to those type challenges and, 
um, that gets me excited. You know, I'm not, not crazy for, uh, for dictation, let's say. So interpretation is, is something that I really aspire to when, when I'm, you know, uh, focusing or developing relationships with, with directors. So it's great when I have the, that type of collaboration where mm. the director wants to, to leave it up to my imagination to see what I can do. Of course, there's, uh, there's uh, something that's cultivated from those experiments and uh, that type of collaboration is really fantastic. So working with Chad, you know, it's all John Wick, only John Wick music. <laughs> that's all we, that's all we're talking about in the context of John Wick It's all John Wick music. So yeah. I love, I love that. And, and because of it, I think there's a very identifiable sound in that franchise. And, you know, that's uh, also uh, because of my collaboration with Joel Richard, who's a longtime friend of mine, who, uh, who works on the music for those films with me. unique those films I think just in terms of I I absolutely love them I just feel like they just take you on such a ride and sequels don't tend to work that often you know in terms of franchises by the time you get to the third there's there's normally a kind of you know a weak link but with the John Wick films they just get stronger and stronger and better and better and like you say it he just kind of pushes things to the point where the audience's imagination and and kind of and the world is is absolutely electrified almost in a way is that a fun element for you in terms of having a number of films to work over with that character and and with that soundscape and where you can take it and how did for you the kind of writing the score for the first film compare to writing it for that the third film the last film that we had from John Wick well, the, the third one was a lot of fun. The movie was, uh, I, I think at that point, you know, we, we knew going into that that uh, there was a great fan base for it around the world and that that was a high uh, measure to, you know, expectation to meet. Uh, there's certainly no hubris in the John Wick camp. Everybody is taking their task extremely seriously as far as how can we up the ante. And Chad is very much that that guy he's not like a, oh this works type person he's like now how can we blow the whole thing up <laughs> and and make it even better and it's fun because uh you know he doesn't have a predetermined idea of what that is he just he, you know so in other words he he leaves a, a great deal of latitude to his collaborators and he's very you know deliberate in who he brings onto his team so I, I really love that about working on the John Wick movies. There is uh, another one in the works, and I'm sure it's going to it's going <laughs> to blow them all up. And and the attitude, you know, with John Wick is it's fun, and yeah. I know it's violent, and I'm not a person who's into violence, but it's intended to be fun. Mm. And much like the you know the old martial arts films, you know, Bruce Lee movies and stuff, there's just some of that element that's inherent in the John Wick series. So it's really cool. I mean, honestly, when we did the first one, it was kind of a cult movie. And, um, you know, for a few years, I was touring around the world and um, I would go anywhere and there would be people outside of 
my hotel with John Wick CDs and stuff for me to sign. It's like, wow, we're in Poland and this is happening. That is so cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's totally unexpected. isn't it because it's almost kind of it's it's it, I guess there's a sort of element of kind of being in a rock band equivalent in a way in terms of the fan base there's a similar kind of um being part of something isn't there I think with these films in particular yeah yeah and it, it is kind of that way you know I mean I, I don't really know how to state in in appropriate language like how unique uh the vibe is on a John Wick movie and it's really just because I, I really think it's obviously Chad's talent and his, his temperament, his personality, but it's also coming from that stunt world. You know, the stunts only succeed when everybody works together and you really need people to be accountable for their own task in, in what's happening. There's just not enough uh, of one person to go around to micromanage the entirety of it. So I think that that, you know, in the case of, working with Chad on those movies, like he really uh, sets the table for people to see what they're made of, see what they can come up with, feel free to fail, experiment. Yeah. You know, if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't land, that's okay. Let's just keep going. You know? And I think that the spirit of that is, is really great. It also uh, makes it such that every artist that is involved in those movies really does uh, have the opportunity to own their performance or their task you know so yeah. uh, it's really uh, an empowering situation was it quite um obvious to you when when you were working on that first score for for John Wick about the kind of instrumentation element to it in terms of what would what would be the basis of of the sound of the score and 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 what would the craft of your you know composing would be constructed with the instruments that you used yeah that movie came about in such an odd way how it happened was there's a, a music supervisor, John Houlihan, who is a friend of mine and a neighbor. And <laughs> apparently he, he was already on John Wick 1. And Chad and Dave, the directors of John Wick 1, were seeking an original song by Marilyn Manson. And I happened to be doing his record at the time. Mm-hmm. And so Houlihan was directed to me to come over and listen for like that song that's going to be like the the theme song for the movie. And he, he just fell in love with the song Killing Strangers. And then a couple of days later, Chad and Dave and Keanu and, and Manson are in my studio for a meeting. And I thought, OK, so we're going to they're going to listen to some music and they'll you know see if there's a song they want to put in the film. I was busy working on Guardians of the Galaxy, finishing it up the first one. And so anyway, I was not really thinking about scoring John Wick. I didn't really even know what it was. I'm like, all right, he's working on a movie, blah, 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 put a song in the movie. I was just really focusing my attention on on finishing Guardians at the time. And so uh, we had this meeting. It was like a rock concert in here, um, of course. It's Tuesday afternoon and... and uh, <laughs> And it was loud and, and, you know, there were some libations being passed around at the time, but uh, it was really cool. And the guys, uh, Chad and Dave, you know, I was looking at them and I recognized them and I just couldn't place where I knew them from. But they were the trainers and the, the stunt coordinators on 300. And we worked on that movie for so long and for so much of the time, it was just green screen and a dirt floor, basically. So you really... St- got to know the actors right um the process was much different back then so they were in that movie so once we put all that together 
um, it was interesting, uh, given that the studio actually wanted Keanu to play Leonidas in that movie. That's just a little fact. Wow. But, uh, but so anyway, they said, hey, we want to show you a teaser to our a sizzle reel for the movie. You know, they hadn't even edited John Wick yet. It was just like a foreign sales sizzle reel. And we watched it and it was just like, wow, that is kick ass. That is so cool. And uh, then the next day, you know, Hulahan asked me if I would score the movie. And I'm like, I'm a few weeks out right now from finishing Guardians, you know. So uh, after some discussion, we had talked about Joel and I doing it together. And Joel and I would do the, you know, create the theme and the, the idea as far as what the sound is. And then he'd get started and I'll jump on, you know, when I finished a few weeks later. Unfortunately, in John Wick 1, we had some time. So that worked out really well. And then the second one was fun. And, and uh, but it's been, you know, there've been a lot of, you know, interesting, fun life stories that are associated with that. And again, I think it's in the spirit of, of being disruptive in a fun type of way, you know, that's Chad's nature. He's not someone who's really going to be, uh, you know, he's not a cookie cutter type person. Yeah. He's going to do his thing. And I love that about him. And it's and it's opened up a tremendous amount of opportunity for me too. I mean, he's enlisted me to write songs for these movies, which is great because that's a huge passion of mine is writing uh, and producing songs with artists. So it's just been great. Again, very grateful. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I mean, I would say that the the a combination of the score and the the kind of needle drops have been the thing that my kids and I have listened to the most in in lockdown, and the films that we've rewatched the most. I think as well. I think just because they're this kind of collection of kind of outcasts, I guess you know that that just really celebrate the celebrate you being different and celebrating you you know being unique to your thoughts and your imagination the world sort of thing I think that's what my kids see in it and stuff but I love the whole notion with James and the music that he puts in those films of being really quite personal to him you know in terms of a lot of the choices and what I loved listening back to our conversation was him enthusing almost to the point of tears about your cue dad loves that piece of music it was so lovely to hear him talk you can hear the change in his voice as he starts to talk about that cue and people I don't think kind of 
will appreciate or or, or maybe they, they do and stuff and, and I know that it's taken me a while to kind of really listen to music in a specific way within a film to really get to the nuts and bolts of it but how diverse those scores are in the, the, those films you know yes they're kind of you know part of the Marvel universe but they have these beautiful intimate emotional moments in them as well and I think that your score just does an incredible job in those films. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the emotions, let's say the emotional palette in, in those films is, is completely rooted in reality. And, I, you know, I've had some experiences that put me very much uh, in touch with the emotions that, you know, are required to, you know, really uh, convey the, the feeling, the essence of, of uh, what James was looking to communicate with the, to his audience. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that worked out really well. You know, I'm really, really thrilled with the, the two scores for those movies. I've yeah. Done. to fit to sit so seamlessly within so many of those well-known songs as well that does he make you aware of the choices that he's made of those existing pieces of music because it could quite easily you know you go from um stuck on a feeling and it jolts and you know but there's this beautiful synergy between the existing music and your score and I wondered whether he sort of provides you with the choices that he's hoping to make or already made in advance. Yeah. You know, when I have the film, you know, those songs are sitting in the the picture, how, you know, he envisions them plant being placed in the film. Yeah. So if there's score uh, that is going to transition into them or out of a song, you know, there's, that's to be considered. And, and you know, depending on, on the transition, depending on the film, you know, there are different, um, approaches to take, you know, when you're buttressing score and song or you're transitioning between the two, vacillating between the two. Um, for Guardians, there are definitely a couple uh, couple uh, tricky transitions that were necessary to make and like Watchmen, that movie too, you know, there are yeah. 17 songs in that movie. So wow. some, of the, some of the transitions with the score would lead you into the song without you realizing the song was really beginning until you were in it. And then sometimes it's like a smash from the song into a completely new vibe. So that's fun too. Yeah. I mean, I, I love uh, storytelling and, you know, whatever's required of me in the context of the score for writing songs for film, you know, I'm always up to the challenge. So these are challenges and I also you know, I just <laughs> love music. So um, a, a great song placed in, in the right spot in a movie is is something I enjoy as well. Do you have a place that you start? Do you do you tend to pick up a guitar? Do you tend to, or does it just depend on your reaction to reading the script? Yeah, it varies from project to project. Uh, strangely enough, I don't do that many guitar centric scores, considering I'm a guitarist. You've got twenty behind you. Please, <laughs> I mean, I I tend to use them a little bit more in TV, but mostly you know records because I'm always doing a record no matter yeah. what. You know, that's something yeah. I love, and I think that that really helps inform my perspective uh, on film and television and energizes me to do that work. They're not the same thing, obviously. You know, I usually will you know read the script. I have a creative conversation, whether it's with the director or the director and producers editors sometimes, uh, whatever insights I can gain to the storytelling and the sensibilities of the director will uh, inform my thought process about music for the movie. And I usually kind of let it brew in my mind for a while. 
and at some point, uh, usually not uh, a great while, is available to me <laughs> to ruminate on things. So I got to get to the point fairly quickly. <laughs> but I get to a point where it's like, okay, now I've got to sit down and do it. You know, I yeah. just I wait until that moment because I think there's a sense of urgency to the emotions and to the themes that are born. Like I, I want the music that I write for movies to feel like it exists somewhere besides the movie. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, you know, I, I can't really look at it like cue writing, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you know, there are whatever, 60 pieces of score in a movie oftentimes, you know? And so I look at it as a body of work, but I do try and for myself uh, invoke the feeling I had when I was a kid and I would buy a new record and I was still before I got to play it I was wondering what it was going to sound like what was going to be on it because you know back in the day we didn't have you know all these uh available references and platforms like YouTube and whatnot to just preview something if you if you hear about it so yeah. I'd go to the record store you know every Tuesday with my mother and that's when new records came out and we would buy records every Tuesday and oftentimes it was off of the uh the clerk's recommendation. And then, you know, when I would listen to a record and I would listen and listen and listen, if I didn't like it the first time, I'd still listen because mm-hmm. I had to work for the money that I, I bought those records with. So <laughs> I wasn't just going to, you know, move on from it so easily. But once I felt like the magic of a great record, you know, it there's a very specific feeling that I had as a young person. And I try to invoke that in, in the music that I create now. I'm a geek for all of this. And that's what I love. You know, there's no golf game waiting for me in this life. So it's really all about different experiences through music and with the people that uh, are my collaborators. Sometimes I'm a solo act, but, you know, I enjoy the collaborative process with different people. So I'm always curious. There's not a better example to that than than this new project, Dark Knights and Death Metal, a really fascinating project. So would you mind explaining a little bit more about it and your involvement and and kind of where the idea came from? So uh, three or so years ago, three or four years ago, the first series of this comic came out, Dark Knights Metal. And uh, a friend of mine, Mike Elizondo, who's a very prolific record producer and all around great person asked me to partner with him to create a record. It wasn't even really, I think at the time, the the idea of really making a soundtrack to the comic series wasn't, wasn't, wasn't realized or articulated, but nonetheless, we, we got into a project of creating some songs uh, related to this comic book. And basically the infrastructure for the project had disappeared before we got midway into the project so we wrote a few songs with some artists that we really like and those songs just basically were posted online and that's that pretty much so mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen and so it was in conjunction with dc but uh in march of 2020 matt keller at dc who i'd worked with the first time around but you know uh he had called me and asked if i'd be down for doing it but like really doing a much more thorough, concerted approach with this project, taking a, a, that approach. And, you know, he explained what, uh, what his interests were and how they would support my endeavor. And so I thought, well, that sounds fantastic. I'm in, you know, I'm always in for the challenge. And so it really was about having the opportunity to write songs that will be directly inspired by the source material itself. You know, I wanted to create a very diverse soundtrack. And so uh, we started because just at this time that Matt had asked me to do this, my friend Greg Pucciato, formerly of Dillinger Escape Plan, and Gil Sharon, who who I've done a million sessions with and, you know, toured with him for years. So, you know, we're good friends. And we all decided, all right, let's go make some post-punk music. And it was literally like around the same time Matt called me and then he gave me the first issue of the comic. And so uh, Greg Gill and I checked it out and we wrote, now you've really done it. No 
And then at the same time, uh, I had uh, become aware of Starcrawler. See, Starcrawler. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we decided that we were going to work together. And it made sense to bring them into this project. And, and it was a great working experience. So we're now doing a, an LP together. That's been great. And then uh, Chelsea Wolf is another artist I was just taken by. You know, I just love her music and I wanted to work with her anyway. So we made contact about writing something and literally like the next day, this whole thing started coming together. I'm like, hey, would you be down to do a song together for this this album? And so she was cool. happened like that like gunship had contacted me right then about doing a collab and then they kept mentioning uh you know referencing this drum beat from an old slayer song and i'm like why don't we just have dave play it you know dave's a good friend of mine <laughs> completely blown oh, wow. up and, and and like health is a band that i'm friends with and they're on loma vista our label and we've worked together in the past on atomic blonde and so uh there was no way that we could make this record without them being on it and one thing led to the next and you know i asked chino to do a guest vocal for us on it and um it just sort of fell together you know everybody that's on the record was all first choice artists and they were all down to do it. And then more than moreover than that, uh, I asked everyone to voice DC characters as part of a motion comic series I made. At first I thought it was just going to make a trailer or something, right? Let's just do something like that. And then it turned out pretty cool and, and DC really liked it. So they had suggested maybe doing more. And so uh, of course I'm up for the challenge. So, I figured, all right, we'll do, we'll, we'll create one for each issue of the comic book. And in doing so, it was really, uh, it was really just to show, you know, my, my reverence for the, the material Scott, uh, Snyder and Greg Capullo created. They're both in, incredibly talented. And then I thought it would be a great way to, especially during COVID when people were so disconnected, to really bring all the artists together and through this medium. So even though m most of the artists don't know one another, they're trading lines with each other in these scenes. And so it was oh, kind right. of cool. It's kind of cool to create that uh, concentric point for everyone to really meet in the middle and the center of this project and to be emotionally invested beyond just writing a song based on an idea. Yeah. So all the songs on the record are are very much uh, connected to the source material. So I feel it's it's very authentic in its intent, and we're all proud of the the music and and something that's really become really cool uh, in the last week is the artists from the album. Now that they're hearing each other's tracks, they're all contacting me and telling me, "Oh my god, that track with Gunship, that is so dope!" You know, so it's really cool that they're becoming fans of each other, and that's the whole point: is to set the table for positivity and great collaboration, and and also to show the fans that you know there's still cool stuff that's made by people who are fans of the same stuff. That's what we're saying. All is, is all of the artists on the soundtrack are all fans of the same thing. You know what I mean? We all love that. 
Um, oftentimes projects like this are put together with the idea of just selling stuff. And that's not really what the point was. Of course, you know, there is commerce involved, but the whole intent of this was to create a volume of work that was inspired by Scott and Greg's work and to have some fun. And we did, I mean, it was, it was really a lot of fun throughout. And I'm so appreciative uh, of all the artists who came to the table, you know, because everybody did it only because they wanted to do it. Idols are on there as well. I love Idols. Yeah. Extraordinary band, yeah. Yeah, their track Sodium is, is sick. That's really good. I feel like I Glastonbury, my God, what year are we on? Is it 2021? It is, isn't it? Uh, Glastonbury, someone, yeah. Glastonbury 2019, my favourite show of the festival. It was just, oh, it was brilliant. They were, they they brought their A game. It was phenomenal. It's awesome that you got that show and, you know, before everything kind of closed down. Do you miss, are you missing that side of it, of, you know, being able to to play live and get that reaction from an audience immediately, you know? You know, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's ingrained in me. Um, however, probably in, in around, around the year 2000, um, I'd been in bands like my whole life. Like I, back in the day, I played probably 1200 shows by the time I was, you know, 30 or something. And my film scoring career really kicked in for a while. And I wasn't playing shows at all. I wasn't in a band. Um, I would go to clubs and sit in and play a couple ACDC songs or something, you know, <laughs> just fun stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like know. guitar karaoke. Yeah, almost, <laughs> you know, but I actually have to play it. And, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I made uh, those records with Manson and he just insisted that I go out and made it so that I could go out. So uh, I had a friend who was, uh, was covering a guitar, you know, entirely when I wasn't there. And when I was, you know, you know, then it was more my, my spot, but uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to go out and play music. I wrote with my friends and, you know, later in life to step on stage for the first time in front of say 50,000 people, 80,000 people, when I kind of figured, well, that's never going to happen. Hmm. You know, that was pretty cool to experience <laughs> that so many times, you know, it got to the point where it kind of became regular. So uh, yeah. again, it's never lost on me though. And you know, I'm appreciative of that. And those experiences do go back into my approach in the studio and my excitement for the possibility of music. It's, you know, I, I just believe that, you know, if you stay entirely dedicated to uh, your love of music and and protect that you know you you have endless possibilities so my life has worked out that way uh, it's not been easy but it's certainly been colorful you know again I, it's it's important to me to to keep that cycle of energy moving I'm not a wash rinse repeat kind of person so <laughs> I like new challenges I'm very focused on surrounding myself with people who bring out the best in me and who I can lift as well. You know, that's, I think that all is transcendent in my work. You know, I mean, I, I'm into whatever the story requires. Like one of my favorite scores that I did was The Devil's Rejects. That is a hard movie. I mean, it's dark and it's filthy, but 
I really have a, a ton of respect for Rob Zombie, and I think he he made a great movie in that movie, and he also you know enlisted me to to invent something for that movie. You know, there was nothing that existed that he knew of that was right for his film, and so like that was really a great moment. But that's not something, say, a classical music fan is going to appreciate. It sounds like a bunch of noise, but it's really detailed modular synth work and a lot of experiments and a lot of distortion. <laughs> and it was fun doing yeah. that. So to me, I, I see equal value in, in doing a film like that and a score like that as, say, a, a Guardians or Watchmen, yeah. something that's a little bit more along the lines of traditional orchestral scoring. But it's amazing to have that, to be given that opportunity to to just create, to find your interpretation of the story, of the characters, of the narrative, of the emotion. As artists, we have to lead though with that. People have to know that you're not sitting around waiting for a directive or a call. You're going to be creating every day. Like I yeah. create every day in my life. Job, no job, whatever. I'm doing it, you know. So um, it's kind of like oxygen for me. That's, you know, pretty much the state of, of mind I, I live in. You know, I mean, of course, I am social and, and I have a family and, and I love, you know, all the people in my life, but I need to do this. It's really yeah. for myself. I'm thankful that, you know, it's, it's start, you know, it's working out okay. And, um, <laughs> and I still have opportunities in front of me. So uh, I'm thrilled about it. Well, we know that one of those is John Wick 4, which is great. Um, what is next? Do you know? There's so many things I'm not allowed to speak about. Okay, yeah. Um, at this moment, <laughs> this very day, uh, <laughs> I will be working with Starcrawler in about 20 minutes on uh, another session for the record. We're so yes. close. So good. They are a great example of what a great young rock band is. I mean, they're just amazing and they work so well together. Working on uh, Primal, Gendy Tartakovsky's show. This is season two of that show. Yeah. And I have other shows and other movies. <laughs> and I can't talk about you them. You can't talk about yet. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. Someone's going to appear at your door at the back of you. Just with a, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Okay, stop talking now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled about, you know, what's, what's happening right now. And I, I'm just, Good. you know, again, I'm just grateful that... Uh, I continue to manifest a, a colorful life of great experiences with, with awesome artists. And like with the Dark Knight's Death Metal soundtrack, first off, you know, the, the two creators of, of that s comic series are masters of their craft. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. And then all the artists we have on that record are phenomenal. And to engage with people like that, it's, uh, it's definitely inspiring and motivating. And it's really you know, something that I want to continue to mm. do as much as possible to continue to create interesting new ways to apply songwriting and collaboration to visual medium and other live forms of entertainment. So I have a master plan. <laughs> I hope we'll that master plan incorporates thinking of some way of giving us fans a live experience of Dark Knight's Death Metal. Because that would be a show I would come and see. Do need to ask twice? I'm there. Sounds like a tour to me. <gasps> Sounds like a festival. We'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> at some point, we, we could have the Dark Knight's Death Metal Festival. So I'm not saying it's happening yet, but I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely uh, wanting for that to become a reality. Uh, and, you know, it's not something that has not been discussed. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Good news to leave with. Good news to leave with, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time. It really is so lovely to get to talk to you. I'm such a fan of what you do. And um, and I can't wait to see, you know, what's next and where you take us with your, with your incredible creativity next as well. So I really appreciate your time, Tyler. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night, I guess. Right? Yes, it's just <laughs> gone dark. Yeah. All right. You have a good day. Take care. Bye. Stay safe. Thanks. Bye, Tyler. Bye-bye. Good luck with the rest of the record as well. Thank you. 
from the soundtrack to Dark Knight's Death Metal, that's Good Time Girl by Starcrawler, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtrack with Tyler Bates. My huge thanks to Tyler for taking the time out of his hectic schedule to talk to me. He really has been mentioned countless times on this podcast, so it was really great to pin him down finally. If you want to hear my conversations that talk about Tyler with James Gunn and Chad Stahelski and Keanu Reeves, yep, Keanu Reeves, then head to edithbowman.com where you'll also find Spotify links for a playlist to every show. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do uh, look up our little YouTube channel for Soundtracking Extra, a wee show I put together every now and again with all kinds of folk from the realms of film, music and television. I just posted um, our conversations with Kate Heron and Natalie Holt. And then just this week, I put up Tom Hiddleston after much demand from fans. So you can go and watch Tom Hiddleston on our YouTube channel, Soundtracking Extra. Um, immediately, it's up there. Go and check it out. Next week, really excited to share a conversation that I had with an Italian writer-director called Ferdinando Cito Filomarino. Uh, now, he has just released his second feature film that he has written and directed. It stars John David Washington, Alicia Vikander, and it's a real crossbreed of genres of films. But it is scored by none other than Ryuchi Sakamoto. Oh my goodness, who we are desperate to get on this podcast. So if you can, please join us next week as we chat to the wonderful Ferdinando Cito Filomarino. Uh, but you can also go and check out Beckett right now because it is up on Netflix. But join me next week for my chat with Ferdy and I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>